Welcome to Joy in Learning, a podcast from the Harley School in Rochester, New York. We're an independent school for nursery through grade 12, where there's always lots of interesting learning going on for us to share with you. This episode is the second of a three-part series of interviews about play in learning with the head of Harley's Lower School, Dr. Terry Smith. Enjoy. We are back with Terry Smith, head of the lower school, continuing our discussion about play in learning and how that shows itself at Harley. Where we left off last time, uh, you had mentioned a little bit about group play. Can we talk a little bit more about how group play shows itself in the lower school? Sure. Well, I think much like we talked about the different stages of play with materials, I think you can talk about the evolution of play from a solitary pursuit to a collaborative, interactive pursuit. Uh, and, you know, Harley has roots in Montessori, which which is very much driven by students' individual interests, and children are allowed to take that as far as they, they can go, very much driving the learning. And I think that's something that's very much at the heart of Harley, but also the idea that we learn with other people. It's not a solitary pursuit. Um, Some people will argue that, you know, at the end of the day, math isn't really a collaborative learning experience because it's just you and the problem and you have to calculate and solve it and all that. It's just you and the pencil and the paper. Um, But I would argue that because I think the more you involve other people in your thinking and in the process as we talked about before, the process of learning and growing your understandings, the more you have to draw on and the more you can choose what 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 works for you, what doesn't work for you, different approaches and all that. But anyway, going back to young children, uh, we often mark developmental milestones when children transition from solo play to parallel play to interactive play, right? So uh, you would imagine a child out on a uh, out on a playground or with various toys in a room, uh, just happy and content playing with a truck, for instance, right? I'm just going to move this truck. I'm going to, again, the whole exploratory part of it, I'm going to run the truck over the carpet, up this ramp, down this ramp, all of that. The child is completely happy and engrossed in their own play for just what they're providing for themselves. They are satisfied. They're getting fulfillment. Um, when children start to realize, hey, there's other people around me, um, maybe because somebody wanted the same toy that you wanted or uh, whatever, more kids in the sandbox, um, they start, uh, play becomes parallel. I'm You and I might be playing in the sandbox. We might be doing the same thing. We're not playing with each other, but we're playing adjacent to each other. And I see you and you see me, but that's where it stops, right? But, but, but I may see you do something with your truck and I might try to do it with mine or something like that. Um, Informed play, I guess, rather than interactive. And then from there, kids really, um, by the time they're, you know, three, four, five around there, evolve into collaborative play. It becomes role-playing play. You be the kitty, I'll be the um, mama kitty, whatever. And they start assigning roles or they start... um, playing uh, within themes uh, we've got you know you'll see a lot of what the the nursery classrooms are set up with with centers that way you know for instance uh, they were learning about harvest in the fall and so they had a farmer's market and so I'll be the cashier today you be the customer and you be the banker over there and then you get to be my helper you get to stock the shelves and so everybody sort of assumes a role and the play continues and grows because everybody is collaborating is contributing ideas to it and it's sort of it's awesome it's really a great social um, uh, study to see how play evolves and grows 
because people are bringing ideas. You don't just have one dictator of play who's announcing that what everybody has to do. It really is a negotiation and it's seamless and it's really great. But you'll see some kids who get to that point developmentally faster than other or sooner than other children do. Um, so anyway, we, I think what we had talked about was the idea of uh, group learning. So in terms of it's not just you sitting and writing, for instance, in your in your uh, daybook or your weekend journal anymore. It becomes then a let's uh, let's build a group poem together or let's uh, read this book and discuss it. You know, second grade, third grade, fourth grade especially, it becomes. Um, important to be able to play slash learn, I'll use the two words interchangeably now, um, with other people, with other ideas. Uh, so the idea of um, uh, how did you solve this math problem, right? Math becomes collaborative in that way. Okay, the answer is 20. Art, how did you get to it? Well, I, you know, I, I took, uh, you know, five and I multiplied it by four. Okay. Um, Catherine, how did you get to it? I did one plus one plus one plus one plus one, you know, whatever. Everybody has different ways of arriving at um, the answer and each one is valid, right? Each one is respected, is aired, is now then part of everybody else's toolkit, even though they may not choose it. They know that it's a way of, of coming to a solution. So while it's very important for young children to learn that there are other like learners, other children who approach the world the same way they do, it's very important for them to then and be partnered and grouped deliberately um, with children who aren't like them so that they develop a, a diverse palette so that they're able to respect, you know, by the time they get to fourth grade, hey, we have a clan project. We're all uh, Native American clans. Uh, you four have to work together, figure out who's going to be the uh, who's going to be the, the clan mother, who's going to be the communicator with the other tribes, who's going to, and, and they can assess and be, be very uh savvy about the skills that each brings and where their strengths are. It's like, so um, you're great with art, so you should be the archivist. You should be the one who documents uh, our clan's history in in graphic detail, right, in terms of um, visual representation. And you're really good at negotiation, so you should go over and you should be the person who goes over to the other clan and asks to, to trade materials, resources with them. And you're good at organizing, so you should definitely be the clan mother. And you're, you know, so so ways that they, as, as equals, are able to then um, leverage their strengths best. So that's that's also you see that on any playground, any any pickup basketball game, any soccer. Hey, let's go play this ultimate frisbee. Okay, you're fast, so you're gonna be in the front run. I'm gonna throw it to you. I'm really accurate with my throws, so I'm gonna try to feed it to you anytime I can. Right. So there's there's ways that um, to get the best outcome, the best experience in the play, the most success, if you will, that that kids are able to. Uh, to identify that and be able to make decisions that way. That's collaborative play. Um, so that would be a way that you would see it working in a learning situation and in a play situation that, that goes through, you know, the whole school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that's sort of where, where I think we come to next is that you know, this is definitely baked into the curriculum uh, in the lower school, but we see these themes sort of coming up and up again as kids go up through the middle school and upper school. So what are some of the ways, let's stick to that sort of group idea. What are some of the ways that we see play show itself in the middle and upper school? Uh, well, the, you uh, you can't you have a group responsibility. You can't just pursue your own things and not be accountable back to the group in terms of sharing your ideas, right? So you imagine that there's um, independent research, maybe in. Uh, 
uh, Mr. S's history class, everybody has to research a part of um, Mesopotamian culture or something like that, and, and, and they have to group it back together and do something with it, right? So it's it's not just the gathering of the information, it's the synthesis of it, and it's the application of it. Um, math classes, you will have uh, different, you know, you will have different assignments that involve contributing to the, the bigger picture of everybody does like a million dollar project, for instance, and comes back, and it's not, you may do the individual work, but you've certainly tapped into each other in terms of, as resources or you're able to share back with the group um and, th- and those are sort of teacher directed things student directed uh here's a problem how are we going to solve it best you will find a lot of kids um seek each other out right recognizing that they that they they see something in in the others that they that will help them that will help their understanding that will help them um do what they need to do uh i guess in terms of the playfulness of it and that it seems um I'm, I'm again. I'm just using it as the same sort of term as learning, um, but the idea that that in play you can get into a flow, right? That 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 the that the the challenge, whatever it is, whether it's climbing a tree or whether it's ziplining or whether it's making a goal in soccer, something you know, if we think more recreational, outdoor activity wise in terms of play, that that kids seek something that is challenging, right? And I think that's something that we foster very much here at Harley in the in the faculty's setup of the classrooms in just the the uh, intrigue and the and the um, the compelling nature of the material that we ask the kids to work with. Uh, it's not just workbook number one, blah blah blah, um, but it's a real world situation that they can help solve, like we were talking about, like with the egg launching, with with the science and all that, is that the kids will the, the best way to learn, best way to play is to be able to have the challenge just a little higher than the skill level. And that there is, that that is, that is engaging, right? That is what you want to pursue. If the challenge is low and the skill level is high, why do it? The kids are just going to walk away and say, this, this is meaningless to me, right? It has no relevance. It's not going to further me, whether they can, uh, whether they acknowledge that um, or if that's just something that they're that they're feeling, and if the challenge is too high and the skill level is is so far below it that they can't attain to it, it they're also going to shut down. They're not going to do it. So I, I think what's great about the approach to the curriculum and the activities, the learning experiences that we that we offer our students is that we're able to find that challenge level for each of the kids so that there may be that how do we get to this answer in math and for the kids who are super advanced and ready and able to do that they will take it at the level they will grab it at the level where they can whereas other children who are working on just building that competency will will maybe enter it at a at a lower level but they will accelerate like their learning will go because that's sort of the idea of the proximal zone of learning proximal zone of playing, I'll say, Vygotsky, um, which is you have to have a suitable challenge and you have to have the skills that are approaching it, right? That is really the circle and the cycle that drives all of all of the learning going forward. So I'm not giving you very many examples, specific examples. Well, yet. I think that that so, example that you, that you touched on earlier uh, that we've talked about before uh, and I witnessed this year and I thought was a perfect illustration of how play gets tied into real learning was that uh, egg launch, uh, you know, students created a way collaboratively in a group to launch an egg 
and uh, using a catapult and have it not break and there was a lot of that sort of back and forth that we've been talking about that trial and error mm -hmm. sort of experimental play involved in learning physics which becomes far more meaningful and i think we see that throughout middle school and upper school and whether it's whether it's intentional in whether it's intentionally put into the curriculum as play or not uh, whether it's just baked into what we do here that idea of trial and error and experimental play um, really shows itself through the middle and upper school and becomes uh, really integral to how we learn here. Well, in terms of the content, yeah, I was I was going more towards like the group learning and all of that together, but that's exactly. exactly what we talked about earlier, which was you have to be able to play, you have to be able to explore something before you're able to apply it constructively or to, to for instance, an experiment or something along those lines that has uh, specific protocols to it. Much like, you know, I talk about, I like to talk about frontiers <laughs> of learning and that you can't have, you can't be, it's, it's better for children to be able to play with new material and, and get a handle on that before they're asked to apply it, right? For instance, if you have a child who's just learning about, um, Algebra, right? The idea of you know algebraic sentences or anything along like that. You're, you're not going to have them learning that, and at the same time, having to solve story problems with that. You can't apply something that you're learning necessarily. Um, it's it's much better for children to, for instance, I'll take it back down to the lower school, be learning about division. Right. That's what they're learning. That's what their instruction is. That's where they're playing. That's their explore, construct phase at that point. But at the same time, they're then backing it off to to word problems, story problems. They have to decipher the language to be able to figure out what are, what are you asking me to do? What function do I need to um, to calculate in order to get to the answer that this is asking me? And so it's a much different uh skill that you're you're being asked to do right you're you have to you have to um, ascertain from the language what it is you're going to do and if that is at the same time that you're learning if i'm asking you to do that with division then that's like two frontiers of learning right so so put it back to a place where you already have the mastery of the subject and what you're learning what the what the what the edge is on that with the story problem is deciphering the language not necessarily figuring out the computations right did i I don't know if that yeah. was clear, mm -hmm. but okay. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. But that's like in all of them, like you said, physics, um, chemistry, a, you know, language, writing, you know, expository writing, all of that, sifting through research, hospice even has elements of, of that in terms of, you know, being comfortable with the material and having to go through certain phases, certain growth in your learning play uh, in order to be able to build on what you know, in order to be able to then apply it in a way that's being asked of you. Which is a perfect transition to <laughs> what we want to talk about next time when we meet, which is how these elements of play and experimental play can help to enrich your life outside of the school environment. So next time. Improvisation. <laughs> yeah, we will talk about improvisation and actual gameplay yep. and role-playing gameplay. So... We will Hello. see you next time. Thank you again for taking time of to talk with me. And we'll talk soon. Thanks. 
Thanks for joining us today on Joy in Learning, the Harley Schools podcast. We look forward to sharing interesting stories, discussing educational topics, and exploring ideas with you on our next episode. See you again soon.